Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, Episode 5. I am Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week, we're talking about the 2013 movie Odd Thomas. And let me tell you right now, it is a relief. <laughs> it is. That is a perfect description of it from our last few weeks of just darkness and... Dismal. <laughs> droll. All those D words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are D words in this, but this is just... Off the bat, we should just say this is a lot more fun. It's super fun. It's just tonally and sub not really subject matter but they make the subject matter fun it's i we said last week it's comedy horror fantasy and i think it lived up to all three of those Mm -hmm. uh genres yeah so i think right off the bat we should say we probably both recommend that people should watch this definitely definitely i would actually say it's especially fun i always look for movies like this during the halloween season mm -hmm. that are like spooky a little scary this movie kind of has this is like Rites of Spring done well in that his, it has everything, kind of. It has the mm-hmm. supernatural element as well as the very real-to-life horror element. Um, but it's really fun and just a really great time. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it was written and directed by Stephen Summers, who he's the writer-director of The Mummy and The Mummy Returns and Van Helsing and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. <laughs> And I feel like I talk a lot of shit on directors on this podcast thus far. You have. But like, uh, with this, I just want to say, he doesn't necessarily make movies that are my thing, but he's good at what he does. I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with The Mummy. It's not really my kind of movie, but it's competent and it's like fun, you know? It's actually, it's similar though, because it is fun. The subject matter is dark. There's horror elements, but that movie is like, it's funny and fun from beginning to end, just like Odd Thomas. Mm -hmm. Not quite as fun. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't isn't about... We're not not legislating the mummy. Watch the mummy. (laughs) Um, Odd Thomas is also an adaptation of a book by Dean Koontz. A series. From 2003. A series, yeah. Specifically the first book in the series. Um, There are seven total in the the series, which he stopped Mm -hmm. writing, plus three graphic novels. And I'm not personally a big fan of Dean Koontz. I think that he does the same thing over and over again a lot but this was a really pleasant surprise um when i found out that it was based on a a dean coons book before i watched it i was like a little disappointed Mm -hmm. but i think it's like it's really interesting and it's engaging it doesn't fall into the damaged protagonist brooding loner stereotype that he does a lot no and i actually thought it was going to i really was prepared for it and then the movie that's only why i ended up liking the main character so much because Mm -hmm. he defied the expectation that i had going in oh definitely uh, from what I could tell, I did a little bit of reading. It's pretty faithful adaptation to the book. Mm-hmm. And Dean Koontz loves this movie. He was <laughs> really? beside himself. He posted all about it on his website about how happy he was about it. Well, it's got a great cast. Yeah. If you're going to have a, a you know a movie made of your book, oh, I, yeah. I, this is, these are the people that I'd want to do. Well, <laughs> Stephen King really hates a lot of good adaptations that, of his well, work. Yeah, he's whiny. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like... We think this is fun. Dean Koontz loves it. It's got a great cast. Hugely recommended. But guess what? People didn't like it. It was a huge flop. Why? And when I say a huge flop, I mean it made a million dollars on a $27 million budget. Oh, that's awful. And you know what? It doesn't really have anything to do with people liking it. So what happened was, this was actually filmed in 2011. 
Okay. And, and it came it, out in 2013. And it came out, yeah. Well, kind of. Oh, okay. It came out somewhere in 2013. It didn't get an American release until 2014. But let me let me give you some uh, some backstory. Okay. So they made the movie in 2011. One of the production companies responsible sued the other one because they didn't pay up when it came to like advertising and like the financing of the planned advertising, and it delayed the movie's release. Like no one wanted to to distribute it. It couldn't find a distributor because everyone was like, "Oh, there's a lawsuit going on. We're not going to touch this." It's damaged goods. So it opened in the Philippines and Hungary and Finland, but it wasn't until way later, it wasn't until 2014 that it got a release in theaters, at which point no one wanted to like really put that much into it. So it got it like ran for a couple weeks in theaters and then went straight to DirecTV exclusive. <sighs> you could only watch it on like video on demand from DirecTV for like a period of a few months. And then it came out on like everything else. That's bizarre. So it just got sunk by like... That's so sad too, because I think yeah. this actually could have been kind of a hit in theaters. It well, just I mean, has, like, there's, it's it's kind of got... And it's, and it's PG-13, like you said last week, so it is more like kind of family friendly. And $27 million is not a lot of money. Like that's a no. pretty cheaply made movie, but... Oh, that's really yeah. sad. It's really disappointing. Well, everybody watch it because it's great. <laughs> Bring yeah. it to this, its, its glory it could have had. Yeah. I hope it finds a second life on Netflix. I would love it too. So do you want to do a quick little plot recap yes, for the listeners? Yes, definitely. Let's do it. This is about a man named Odd Thomas. And his name is Odd. That's the, that's was That was my first big surprise. Watch it. I think it's like the first line. Yes. Is I thought, it thought, I thought his name was Thomas and he was Odd. Yes. But his first name is Odd and his last name is Thomas. Yes. So they all call him Odd. It was supposed to be Todd is the way that the movie yeah, explains possibly. it. Yeah, possibly. But they don't even, he doesn't even necessarily believe that. No. He thinks his mom is just like knew that he was going to be a weirdo. And he is a fry cook. And he has a girlfriend. And he has powers. Supernatural. He is the grown-up kid from The Sixth Sense. Kind of, That's yeah. exactly, that was my first thought. Because he, he does what I think the little kid from The Sixth Sense was, like, going to do, which is solve crimes. Yeah. Well, his quote is, um, I may see dead people, but by God, I do something about it. <laughs> so he uses, he does, he sees dead people. He They seek him out specifically. They find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one little girl who opens the story comes into his house, or she's waiting at the bottom of his stairs, mm-hmm. um, and like leads him to her killer. Yes, and so he helps solve her murder. Mm-hmm. And he's got like it becomes very evident right away that he's he's got the cops on his side very much. The police chief is like his buddy, and he totally gets it. He's totally like, all right, odd. I'm I'm with you. I here's an excuse if anybody asks why how you solve this crime use this excuse thanks for helping us catch another do do better police chief wyatt porter played by willem dafoe willem dafoe who literally walks on screen into this movie it's it's again please watch this movie to describe the shot is that um this murder has been solved and odd is sitting on a bench and willem dafoe just walks into frame and is like what are you doing? Ah, ah. And like starts like uh, like razzing him a little bit. A little bit. For for destruction of property. He yeah. got into a fight with the murderer. Mm-hmm. And immediately it's not like, you know, he has to work outside the law or like it's a vigilante or anything. No. No, the police chief and him are like buddies. Loves him. Yeah, that's great. We're getting a little hard. There's a point where he calls Willem Dafoe 
while he's having sex and like <laughs> twice twice while he's having and sex. he answers the phone and he's like odd what he's like he's like you know gruff about it but he's like okay whatever you get yeah do, odd. you get the idea that this happens all the time he's yeah. always odd is always ruining date night with crime mm-hmm. and he works solving of he's a fry cook and his girlfriend stormy llewellyn <sighs> is in ice cream yes she's the manager of an ice cream she's store. the manager it's probably why i really liked her oh yeah yeah because i used to scoop ice cream for two years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, his girlfriend, his his best friend also works with him at the restaurant. Which mm-hmm. is, is her name Violet? They always call her Vi. They, they say her first name once. It's either Violet or Viola, but I think it's... They I call think it's her, Viola. They call her Vi. Played by... Viola. What's the actress's name? Viola Peabody. Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Who I love. Yes. She's wonderful. So I was excited to see her in this movie as well. So we don't need to like get into too much of the machinations of the plot up front, but like... That's who he is. He solves crimes. And, and, this, and he's it's it's a small town in the desert near Pico Las Vegas. Pico Mundo. Pico Mundo in the desert in Las Vegas. Oh, and it's in California. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was in Las Vegas. No, they're in California. Oh, okay. Well, in Las Vegas. I thought he was like right on the outskirts of Las Vegas. I thought he was no. going, he's going to Vegas at the end. No, it's Pico Mundo, California. Okay. And uh, he, but it's a very small town. So yes. you kind of get the feeling when he's at the, when he's the fry cook that he is just like, He's really loved by this whole town. They all really care about him. His girlfriend and the sheriff are also on really good terms. His girlfriend and Viola are really great buddies. So there's just a you can tell immediately from this scene in, in the in, when you see him in the diner. He's a short order cook. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, he's talking to kids. Like- yeah, they're having a lot of fun. It's Viola's children, and he's like show, he's telling them all the different terms for. Uh, do you remember any of them? Oh, the no. terms for what diner, short yeah. order cooks call foods. Like scrambled eggs is like stretched or Stre- something. Stretch it is if you're making it uh, two. Yes. So scrambled is like cut them up or something like that. It's something yeah. like. You know, some, it's just yeah, you know, it's, diner but talk. But it's cute. He's explaining it to the kids. He's flipping pancakes all over the place. He's just, he's immediately just such a great guy. You just love him. Uh, there's a plot with a murder that he sees that's upcoming. Um, Vi- Viola. Viola has a vision. She's worried that it's about her own death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Odd has to put the pieces together. He ends up stopping mm-hmm. a like mass shooting in a shopping mall and a bombing mm-hmm. and saves the day. He does. He becomes the hero of not only his town, but also seemingly kind of America. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say up front? Do you want to well, save I it think for... We, well, I think we skipped a very big part, which is the reason that he can sort of see crime coming. He can solve crimes oh. that have already happened because he can see ghosts and dead people. But the reason he can see crime about to happen is because there's these things in this universe called Bodaks. Bodaks. And they're like these really frightening... Can you, com- can you compare them to anything that you've seen in... They're monsters. They're... They're very non-corporeal, though. They're, they're like, like smoke. Invisible slash... I think they're kind of metallic. They seem metallic. They like... Right. They, they phase in and out of... It's kind of like Predator. Yeah, they look like the predator. Yeah, um, and they make that clacking noise. Yeah, but they're... That's terrifying. <laughs> That's what they sound like. They're very, like, they move um, almost, like, fluidly all over. They have they do. a and, seeming infinite number of limbs. And when they come out of the ground, it kind of ripples the ground in a weird way. They're they're very scary. Um, and only he can see them, but he cannot let in on the fact that he can see them because there's this flashback where they murder someone for, for being able to see them. Yeah. So he has to, like, kind of just see them but pretend like he can't see them and so, they are harbingers of death yeah so they are they gather to see um death and terror and evil so whenever something evil's and 
he keeps using the word evil. It's more like death. Death and destruction. And destruction. They're going to, like, gather. Yes. They uh, they specifically, he says, they don't cause death. They feed off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he normally sees a couple of them, you know, if somebody's going to die. But the time he starts seeing them this time, there's just, there's hundreds. Yeah. And they're all specifically kind of coalescing around this one man, which is what leads yeah. Odd to... It's the inciting incident it for is, all of this. Yes. So he, so, but in the whole movie, he's seeing them all over the place, and when he's gonna, you know, save the day at the end in in this shopping mall, stopping this bombing and and mass shooting, they're just crawling. It's mm-hmm. it's it's horrifying. So yeah, I uh, that's the plot. Mm-hmm. I think what I want to say off the bat is like like we, like we alluded to up front. I think that the tone of this movie is such a shift and it's such a pleasant surprise. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. You could tell from minute one, it's going to be light. It's a voiceover narrated, which typically doesn't really work. It typically comes off really cheesy, but it is pitch perfect for this movie. Yeah. And do you, do you think it has to do with um, Anton? I think it has a lot to do with Anton. He's just, he's just so wonderful. And he just plays this kind of character so perfectly. This like, Kind of weird, quirky, but but ultimately so lovable guy. Anton Yelchin is the heart and soul of this movie. Mm-hmm. His performance has so much levity and so much empathy, and it's just incredible. It's levity, but it's also like depth. Like he's yeah. so you you just get a feel for him right away, and that he's just uh, I could just gush about him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was just so wonderful. Stephen Summers said from day one that Anton Yelchin was his only choice. Really? He called him the best actor of his generation. And Dean Koontz was like, I don't even know who this is. <laughs> and Steven Summers was like, I'm not going to do it unless I get Anton Yelchin. That's the only thing that oh. I want. And he was totally right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's an incredible performance. Yeah. And he's incredibly well supported, like we already said. He mm-hmm. just has, you know, what's his name again? Sorry. The police chief. Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe is also outstanding. I'm not used to him seeing like, um, I'm not used to seeing him as a like nicer guy. Because the first time I, I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So he is the Green Goblin to me. He just has that like mean face, but he's so wonderful well, he's, in this movie. He's Norman Osborn. Green yes. Goblin wears a mask. No, you know what I mean. When he's like yelling at himself in the mirror in Spider Man, this isn't about Spider Man anyway. <laughs> he, um, I I like him a lot, and uh, he's just so well meaning in this. He he never has a moment where he's like mean or bad at all. He believes odd at every turn and there's even a part where odd kind of senses that something may be happening and he's had this uh, there's even a wonderful cameo by Patton oswald where mm-hmm. he, he's kind of like his name's oz in the movie and he makes things he's kind of like a tinker and he makes um odd this big metallic like metal heart that one could wear over their heart mm-hmm. um and uh he thinks he's making it for his girlfriend but really odd just wanted it made uh because he can he can see a bullet going through a heart. He doesn't know what it where what it's yeah. from. He can sort of see it, sense it happening. And at one point he gives it to Willem Dafoe. And I kind of almost expected there to be like kind of like, oh odd, he's so weird. I'm not gonna do it. But he does it and yeah. he gets shot like minutes later and it saves his life. I think that speaks to something that's again really different about this movie, which is that what I'm used to in because this is this is a horror movie. It's a fun horror movie, but it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm used to you know, having protagonists who are against the world in some way, or at least the burden that they bear is a burden they bear alone or with, you know, similar people who share their gifts. He is extremely open with both Stormy and the police chief. Mm-hmm. Who, I'm sorry, whose name I keep forgetting. You said Porter, it before. Something Porter. Yeah, something Porter. Um, 
And they totally, they take him at his word and they believe him even though they can't see it. It's actually specifically with regard to his relationship with Stormy. Stormy, it's amazing. It's incredible the way that they're just like, he's... It's funny too. I actually wrote this down. He doesn't ever, you don't ever see him telling her anything and he doesn't seem to struggle over it. Odd will have something happen to him where he's like, oh, this is terrible. This is such a big deal. Like, yeah. oh, I know, like, I know who the killer is. And then like a scene later, Stormy will be like, but I thought you said the killer was this guy. Yeah. Like they've just talked about it. He tells her everything. Is this an excuse to talk about Stormy? We can talk about Stormy. I would love to talk about Stormy. <laughs> well, first, uh, one more thing I want to say. Um, okay, sorry. We can get into it. Just we we we're moving at breakneck speed here. Yes, I wanted to talk about just how fun this is. I think that the like the levity. It reminds me the only movie I could think of that it brought to mind was John Dies at the End. It's a little less. Have you seen that movie? No, that movie's pretty manic. It's it's really fun. I I, from what I know about the movie, it's darker though. A little bit, like more like Mm. creepy, fun, weird. A little bit. This is it's it's fun though. It's a it's a blast, and this is a little more grounded, but. Mm Even, I mean, like, we've sort of taken it for granted because we watched this movie. But, like, if you just pick apart these names, Odd Thomas, Stormy Llewellyn, Stormy Llewellyn. the one of the villains in the movie is named Fungus Bob. But his real name is Robert Robertson. And it's just like... <laughs> They're like, th- oh, his name's Robert Robertson. Like, oh, that's, nor- that's more normal. But they call him Fungus Bob the whole time. This is just like a thing that they have fun with. And it's like really... I think other than nice. other have weird names too. Not weird, but th- Burn Eckle or Eckies or whatever. Yeah, Eckles is one of them. And then um isn't the one girl her name is like Lynette? They, they, it, That's they, less weird than it's less weird. Stormy Llewellyn. It's it's less weird. Well Stormy's real name Well Stormy's real name is Bronwyn. Her name is Bronwyn Llewellyn and she That's goes by more Stormy. normal. It's it's not. It, this is the thing. It's like No, it's I'm all, joking. Okay, good. <laughs> that's like a that's like a Tolkien character, is what you just told me. <laughs> Bronwyn Llewellyn. But it's all it's it's less like Lynette is weird. It's just that you don't meet a lot of Lynettes. At least yeah. I don't. And it's more like this town. All these names make this town feel really special, which is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, I think that, you know, we're talking about the how it feels so light. It's also the way that it's shot. It's not just the subject matter. Yes, The yes. way that it's shot, it's fast-paced, but in just a really fun way. You're moving along with it. Um, there's there's flashbacks and, and there's slow-mo. I normally am just like the number one slow-mo hater, but the slow-mo in this I thought was effective. Uh it it was just it's it's like being on a roller coaster, but oh, just yeah. in a really oh, yeah. fun way. And like especially the scene we talked about before where he's like flipping pancakes. Yes. Is just so joyful and emblematic of what the whole movie is like. He has a cardboard cutout of Elvis Presley in his house. <laughs> Apparently in the book, I looked this up, apparently the ghost of Elvis Presley is like a character. Oh, that's amazing. But in this, they just, they didn't want to do that. So he just has a cardboard cutout, which I think you don't need to know that there's a thing in the book because it's just fun. It's just like cool that he like. He talks to it occasionally. Hey, hey Elvis. Hey Elvis, what are we going to do today? It's just like fun, you know. (laughs) It's, it's really fun. And emblematic of, again, Anton's amazing ability to be so charismatic and yet. Be serious. Yeah. It's not, he's not, he's not a goofball. It's just like. Well, that's, I think that's the thing is that, like, as as light and fun as he is, you take him seriously throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. Yeah. There's never a moment in this movie where you're like, oh, my God, Odd, like, get it together. He has it together. Yeah. The whole movie. He oh, is yeah. excellent at solving crimes. And the only reason that, like, he doesn't solve it immediately like he does most crimes is that, like, the Bodaks are kind of tricking him and it's way more complicated than he thinks it's going to be. And um, he's kind of being blocked from actually being able to see this crime. So, but he's, he's excellent at it. He's, oh, yeah. he's great. This is his job and he is just great at it. 
Well, his job is a fry cook. But. <laughs> That's how he makes the money, but his... Do you want to talk about Stormy? I would love to. So our first introduction is Stormy. She walks She walks into the restaurant, and she is the hot girl. Oh, she yeah. Just, she just is. Addison Timlin. Who's super hot. She's smoking. And I, she walked in, and the voiceover says something like, oh, Stormy and I are destined to be together forever. You see the two of them, and they're little, and they're standing in front of like one of those kind of big fortune teller. fortune teller things like I, th- that's what i always think from from big um yes like from big and who gives you the little card and it mm-hmm. says you are destined to be together forever and my immediate thought just processing the things that happened immediately was oh this is the girl that he's yearning for but she's too hot and he's too weird and it's never gonna happen that's immediately not what it is they are super in love they are the most, the in, most love. in love the most in love and she's got stormy She's got this really hyperbolic way of talking that normally would bother me, but it doesn't bother me for some reason. She's like, odd, what would you do for me? Would you like cut off your hand? And she even says something at one point to the police chief that's like, chief, I would, I love odd so much. I would literally cut off my hand if that's how I could prove my love to him. But it, it doesn't come across like weird or bad. It just, it just comes across like she's just being so genuine. They just love each other so much. And we already talked about they, um, how he tells her everything. Yeah. They have just such an open relationship. Well, that's what I like. She is at work. She is managing this ice cream store. Has him on Bluetooth <laughs> while he is like poking around like how houses, like finding corpses, finding roaches. Yeah. And she's just like, get out of there. You know, you uh, shouldn't be don't there. Do like, that. <laughs> it's gross. And yeah. he's like, I know. I gotta do it. And, but they just, they're so, and she gets worried about him, but she never like tries to impede what he's doing because she just knows that he's doing it for the right reasons and he's saving people. Again, I, I, I was just, I was just so impressed by her. I just like, I loved everything about her. And it, we, we already said this, but I love that he doesn't have a deep, dark secret. You know, it's, it's so refreshing that he doesn't have a deep, dark secret. And this is like, he shares it with the person that he loves most in the world and she supports him and she's pretty badass on her own. She is. She's great. And she, but she's also like, so lovely, you know, she just like, yes. she has this sweet relationship with all the kids who come get ice cream from her. And she, again, like this town is a place where everybody loves each other. So there's just this like setup of mm-hmm. everyone coming to this ice cream store and she's going to, she's going to own her own ice cream store someday also. Yes, she says that. <laughs> I love her. I mean, the, re- the reason that I was, you know, the main reason I said that I really loved her was that she is the hot girl. That is definitely her, her role in this movie. As and as and as odds kind of like paramour, mm-hmm. they ride on the bike of like they ride on their little scooter together all the time. But she also is extremely fleshed out. Specifically, I'm thinking of um, the scene where she has to leave him and she gets on the scooter and um, yes, sc- scoot, scoots away. She scoots away. <laughs> She's scooting away, and she she says something like, "You have to be." She's like, "You have to be strong for him." Uh, so don't look back. Yeah, and that just that shot of her driving away, and she's just like fighting the urge to look back and you can just see it in her mannerisms that she's holding herself so tight so that she doesn't look back because she needs to like be a strong front for him in whatever he's about to do and i just think that she was so she's a great great character i love her Mm -hmm. so do you want to kind of skip there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle of this movie there's a lot of it's like a mystery that he's putting together yes and there's a lot of odd running around there's a point where he's kind of being stalked and followed by Fungus Bob, who's that's the house he was kind of poking mm-hmm. around in, and Fungus Bob clearly figures it out and is following him around. A girl from the town dies. It's kind of like a mystery how she died. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a lot of stuff happens in the middle while he's figuring it out. But the big thing that he figures out eventually is that somebody is going to shoot up and or bomb the mall. Yeah. So I want to talk about this because I have thoughts on it. And I want to preface all this with do not disregard all of the effusive praise that I have been spewing because of what I'm about to say. But I do think that the the actual plot falls apart at the end, or at least building up to the climax. So what happens is he finds out Fungus Bob has been dead. And he's been seeing this image of a bullet going through a heart. He finds out that it's Fungus Bob, who has been shot already. And because he's got, got kind of got that little kid's sixth sense thing, he can't always tell if it's not evident when he sees a ghost that it is a ghost. Yeah. Sometimes he thinks it's a real person. And the whole time, it's all centered around this, like, something's going to happen on August 15th. And they keep talking about that. And there's all these fake outs about like him being wrong that, oh, this piece of his vision didn't come true, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of that when he's unraveling the mystery. Mm -hmm. What ends up being revealed is that one of the cops in the town has been working with Fungus Bob or was working with Fungus Bob. They have matching tattoos. They have matching tattoos that say P.O.D. Prince of Darkness. Which I think is, it's not a great reveal. It's a It's... It's in keeping with the tone of this movie, but I think that when it starts to get more seriously about them shooting up a mall, and this is like a much more accurate scene, we find out that it's Prince of Darkness, and it's because they're in like a Satanist cult, and it's one of the cops that he thought that he could trust. Um, and this is interesting, it actually turns out, he goes then to, he's going to go to the mall and stop him, he knocks someone out, it turns out there's another cop. It's the other cop. It's the two cops who have been partners the whole time. this is the interesting part. I actually didn't realize that there were two discrete cops until it was revealed that there were two of them. I honestly, they blended. No. No, I'm serious. They blended completely together for me, which is my fault. It's not the movie's fault. Yeah, that's that's your fault. Because I will say, maybe the reason I could tell them apart is because one of them is Nico Tortellini. I don't know his last name. Tortellini. It's like Tortellini. (laughs) Nico Tarantella. Tarantella? <laughs> yeah, Tarantula. <laughs> um, he's, his name's Nico, and he was in Scream 4, and he was in uh, the first season and a little bit of the second season of the following, both both things that I obviously love very much. But he's he plays evil very well. And- They're two doughy white cops. I mixed them up. I... <laughs> so, I mean, like, that doesn't make it bad, except that there's another co-conspirator <laughs> and this is unraveled over the course of like 20 or so minutes that they they keep adding <laughs> yeah and actually you keep seeing it in a flashback yeah. not, not even a flashback but you he sees first he sees fungus bob at the table like what are they playing cards or something yeah he sees fungus bob and then he sees one of the cops and he's like yeah. oh they were together it's fungus and, then, and burnt oh it's fungus burnt and simon and eccles and then he like oh then he takes off the mask of the guy that he's just shot and it's the fourth guy, who I actually was glad to see because he was in the story before. He's the one who yeah. uh, was involved in the death of the girl. And I was glad to see that he was involved because his story did not hold up. And that was like a callback. Yeah. Also, these cops, I just want to say real quick, the cops are terrible. I'm really glad they ended up being evil because they, um, when they're arresting the guy at the very, very beginning, the first time we ever meet them, mm-hmm. he slams the murderous head against the police car and like... You know what? If guys are going to murder little kids, I don't really care if they get roughed up a little bit. But then the line that is spoken is one of the cops goes, oh, excuse me, fellow cop, do you have the right to like beat up on civilians? And the other cop is like, 
no, but it is one of the perks of the job. And I was like, oh, 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 no. Yeah. I hate you. So I'm really glad they turned into being evil. I think my, I think that the, the way the climax falls apart for me is it just, it keeps complicating itself gradually. These co-conspirators, the stakes keep getting unnecessarily higher and higher. As a result, it goes from being like, oh, he stops a shooter to, oh, there's another shooter to, oh, there's a bomb. He has to drive this van. It's like crazy. And he also finds out that the Bodaks have been manipulating him. Yeah. Because they they actually do know that he can see them. And so they've been leading him away from, from the, the actual, the actual brains of the Because operation. they know that he'll try to stop it and they don't want him to stop it. Mm-hmm. And but like we said earlier, Viola has this um, this dream and it's like, it's, there's there's like rushing water and there's people screaming. And so he's like, oh, it's at a water park. Or, and then it, he sees bowling alley shirts. Oh, it's at a bowling alley. He hears the screaming people at the stadium and it's yeah. like, oh, it's at a stadium. The, stadium. the way that it like comes together is that like there's things on the TV at the mall and also there's a lot of people there. And I thought that there's was a, a bit much. with the rushing water. What it feels like is it was just trying to set up like, oh, there's no way to figure this out because here's a mall where this thing, it just, it feels like the rest of the movie is like unraveling a mystery. You can figure out Fungus Bob is dead. You can figure out sort of as odd as figuring things out. We're with him. Mm-hmm. Then Vi's entire vision dream, which is a major clue the whole time. It's just like a total fake out. It's stuff that we could have never put together. I disagree. I actually, re- I disagree about it being a fake out. I think a mall being a little bit of everything. I think they probably could have done it a little bit more cleverly, which is that like the reason that you think it's at a bowling alley is because his first, his very first vision is all these people in bowling shirts mm-hmm. being like, save me, save me. And involved in a dream that he's having. They all, they don't have faces. It's very creepy. And so he's like, duh, the bowling alley. Um, I think they, the way that they could have kind of done it better would be like, he has these visions of people in, a, in bowling shirts and he's got visions of people in uh, like, I don't know, a sunglass hut or like what, you know, whatever these different places are. And he's trying to put all these places together. And then the eventual obvious reason is the mall because it is the hub of activity and it's got all the people. And I think that is a mystery that you could put together. I think the rushing water, you're right. The rushing water plus the stadium plus the bowling is a little bit of a stretch because like, you don't think, oh, obviously malls have rushing water. But if you wanted to give it more of the mystery, the idea that like a mall is everything and it has all the people, I think is a good, it is specifically a really horrifying place for a shooting because it has well, all the, that. The mall is definitely a terrible place for a shooting. And but I think that, 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 that they're setting, they are setting that up that like maybe he could have figured it out before because if you were going to shoot up a place and try to hurt as many people as possible, you would go, you would think about a mall. You wouldn't do the bowling alley. You wouldn't yeah. do, you know, like you do the mall. Especially in a small town like this where yeah. like it is clearly the hub of activity. activity. And actually they kind of, they tricked me hard and I wasn't happy about it in that you, we, we see Stormy at her ice cream store many mm-hmm. times throughout the movie. He always visits her there and you see her, like we said, on the Bluetooth talking to him. And it always looks like there's like an outside pavilion yeah. and then it's, oh, it's in the mall. Yeah. And I never realized it until you see her in the mall and then I was like terrified for her. No, no. He visits her at work and they're sitting on the bench looking at um, Bodax. Remember they're sitting there and she's talking to him. Maybe they're, I just didn't notice that it was in, inside. It was in the mall for sure. Oh, Weird. I like feel like I I every time I every time they were there I thought they were outside. Look, I didn't know there were two cops. You didn't know she was in a mall. <laughs> um, so yeah, he saves the day. It's not you know it's like I said it's gradual. It's fine. the 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 plot of the villains is to become cops 
infiltrate a small town and mm-hmm. then, quote, slowly kill it, which is kind of silly but to me. But what they were also going to do was, like, this is when he, he rips They're going to be the heroes. They're yeah. going to be the heroes. They're going to, like, shoot it up and then run, jump out and be the cop heroes. So it's kind of a convoluted plan anyway. But, like, they, but I, they all immediately die. Like, I think the climax is too They're convoluted. also bad at their jobs. If I have a criticism of this movie, it's the climax is too convoluted. I think that it should have just been simpler. I think it would have been a lot better if it was just simpler. And it's really good already. But. I, I agree with you. I was I was thinking about this too because I did have a, a, a similar reaction of when he's ripping masks off everybody. Yeah. He's like, another one. But they wanted one person to be alive at the end because Eccles is alive. I had to go back and watch that because they're is it like. Is Varner alive? No, Eccles is alive. The blonde one. I think it's Eckies. Oh, okay. I don't know. The blonde one is he's he just knocks him out. He's alive. He shoots. Oh, Varner blows up in the van. Varner blows up in the van. He shoots the actual shooter like in the face. Yeah. Um, which is when he uncovers that and is like, "Oh, you're not a cop." Yeah. So maybe do you think it would have been better if he'd like kind of realized that all the cops might have been in on it together? Like, oh, if Fungus Bob is in on it and think- Varner's in on it, then Eccles must be in on it. No. I don't know. I just, I, th- I feel like you actually do need them all and I don't know how to get I, there. No, I think you need, I don't, I think you need one cop. They serve the same purpose except for to be bodies. And like, you don't need, you, first of all, you don't need the one who's not a cop, their friend, whose name I can't even remember. No, they only You don't need once. him at all. You need there to be a fake out. He needs, yes. he needs to shoot someone. They need, to be, they need to be a fake out. So there needs to be at least three. Sure. Fungus Bob and the two cops. That's it. Okay, so you're saying that you're saying either Varner doesn't blow up at the end, or I don't care if anyone's alive at the end either. You, uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't. The, the villains movie can be vanquished. Of, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, the movie kind of necessitates it. I don't know. I I actually agree with you. I think okay. that it, it, the, he, the the adding of bodies was weird at the end. So what happens is he's a hero. You know, um, I wanted to say this about Anton's act, acting. Actually, there's a scene where um, one of them is shooting up the mall. And the ice cream parlor is there and he's really worried. And then he sees Stormy is okay. Like she stands up and Anton's acting in that scene is incredible. He's like crying. It's like, it's such an emotional moment after the, like we've said, a lot of levity. And it's just, it's really great that he like, you know, them seeing each other like, oh, you're okay is great. Anyway, then, you know, he saves the day. He's a he's hero. in the hospital. So there's like the point where like oh, he's in the he hospital. peeks through the, there's that kind of classic scene of peeking through the hospital curtains. And there's just millions of people on the sidewalk with signs being like, we love you, Odd. We think you're great. You saved the day. And like everyone just loves him. They're worshiping him. Yes. And then he and Stormy kind of go into seclusion. They, they shack up together. They shack, they're like, they've been talking together about living together the entire movie. They're like, oh, when we live together, when we live together. Mm-hmm. And they go and live together, and he's telling the story like they watch I, movies, they make out a lot, they watch, yeah, they eat ice cream. There's a part where she's sitting in his lap and they're eating ice cream, mm-hmm. and he's just talking about how oh, it was our destiny all along. We are going to be together forever. And I was like, cool, end of the movie. Nope, no. Then the sheriff and his girlfriend, yeah, and Viola knock on the door, and they're like, uh, it's time to stop. It's time to stop doing this because she's dead. She's been dead. Ugh. It's awful. I really hate it. It made me so sad. It's not, I honestly, it's not necessary. It might just happen in the book. That's why I, he, no, 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 (laughs) no. This movie is very interested in the strength of their relationship in subverting, not necessarily subverting, but like not giving you a lot of these tropes of, you know, the argumentative heterosexual couple. (laughs) And 
we could have gotten a happy ending. It would have made sense. It wouldn't have... I think it would have made this movie better. This movie's interested in him being happy and in the strength of their relationship. She doesn't need to die. She's straight up fridge. Can I tell you? She's put in the ice cream fridge. (laughs) She is put in the ice cream fridge. Can I tell you the only reason I think she had to die? Why? I hate that I'm saying this because I love Stormy. And like I said, I was ready for this movie to be over. Just everyone, folks, just turn it off when they're eating ice cream together. (laughs) It's over. The movie's over. But uh, the reason I think that in, in terms of like the themes of the movie... They talk a lot, and I kind of didn't pay attention to this during the movie because it's the kind of talk that typically kind of bores me, is talk about destiny and, like, mm-hmm. soulmates and forever and those kind of things. I kind of, I kind of toned out of it during the movie, but yeah. now I wish I hadn't because I think it is actually really relevant, which is this idea of they're destined to be together forever. It's their destiny. And she asks him at one point, like, what is it, Odd? Like, are my actions mandated by some higher power or do I have free will? Like... Figure it out because you're giving me mixed signals here. Like, tell me what the truth is. And I think that that question of like destiny versus free will is why she dies. Because there's this feeling of like, oh, they're destined. So that's the end of it. That's that's the end. Is And they're just going to eat ice cream and watch movies and make out a lot forever. And my, the, my other question is that the other thing that he says is that he's like, Stormy wants uh, to go to Vegas and get married and elope. And I can't do that because I know that the second I step foot in Vegas, there's going to be ghosts everywhere and I'm going to have to solve a million murders. And I don't want to do that. I'm, I'd be too busy for us to have a life. So we're not going to do that. And then that's what he does at the end. Yeah. He, he lets Stormy go. Um, it's a really, really sad scene. It was kind of my my screen cap of the movie in my mind is um, Odd standing there with the sheriff and his girlfriend yeah. Viola behind him, kind of in like this little line. And then um, and Stormy saying goodbye and then walking through the window and disappearing uh, into butterflies. <laughs> and uh, it's very, it's very, very sad. And um, and then he literally is like, I he, you see him walking through the desert and he comes up on, I thought it was Vegas. Is it Vegas? It is Vegas. Okay, yeah. he comes up on Vegas he's and on he's like, time to... Like get, get to work. To, get to work, and that my question of like that being his destiny, like I I just I I do I hate it. I'm with you. You're shaking your head. <laughs> I love Stormy. I wish this movie had decided to give it a happy ending. But I think what it did was ask a question about destiny, and I think that that is interesting because he mentions that when he's discussing their their perfect life together that yeah. isn't real because she's dead. He's just talking about destiny the whole time. And that being fake is important to me, I think. It is important to me. I think it's also important to the movie, is what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting choked up, too, about um, Anton having passed. Oh. It's like, specifically the last shot you're talking about with him standing on the hill and like being like, it's time to get to work is really rough. rough. That is rough. Like... Oh. It's, I mean, not to, you know, not to really get down, down, but this movie is really emblematic of like, he's just a phenomenal actor and he can do anything. Too soon. Far, far too soon. It's it's such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I mean, not that I hope that listeners, if you have any doubts about Anton Yelchin being something special, watch this movie. Watch all, watch all of his movies. He's amazing. Yeah. But this one is very. This one is very, it's a, it's a bravura performance from him. Mm -hmm. It's. And I think this movie, I think like. I think what we're both saying is this movie is very special. And I think that's kind of how I feel about it is just that it's it's got it's got something. It's not perfect. No, no. But it's got something kind of beautiful and 
sweet. And what I was going to say earlier about the butterflies is that was one of one of those moments. And I I wrote down that I think just one of the, one of my bottom lines of this movie is that there are a lot of moments like that of Stormy walking into uh, through the window and disappearing into butterflies and certain lines that are just really goofy and the cliches of like the sheriff having sex with his girlfriend and getting the phone call yeah. from odd all these like really silly cliches um that in any other movie i would have just rolled my eyes but for some reason i was just like really touched by them i just i found them to be actually extremely genuine yeah and i think that's right that's that's you know a sign of this movie being something special if i were to, if i were to set this movie up in one word it would be charming it is it just is so charming. charming and you know you know it's i hope this doesn't sound like it's running counter to what you're saying but i don't think it's it's not a significant movie this isn't breaking any barriers this isn't no. you know making an impact but it is a genuine delight yeah. it is it is something that i'm i'm and i never would have i never would have found this no i am so this glad is a, this is a secret that this came up on our roulette because this is just such a delightful watch and yeah it just it made me really happy it made me really happy, it made me happy. and it again we're, we're just like gushing, <laughs> gushing. About it. it is a horror movie it is fun it is thrilling it is it is there are jump scares and there i like i said the bodex are pretty frightening yeah. they're pretty creepy um but it does what i love about any kind of horror movie which is like crying at the end that is my number one that is like that's why i always talk about the sixth sense because i always cry at the end of the sixth sense and it means that i was both scared and like emotive and i always cry at the end of the conjuring too just to bring up the conjuring again for like the eighth time in our podcast but i always i i love getting choked up at the end of a horror movie because it means i really felt the span of all my emotions <laughs> in a movie and i love doing that so that's that's a really good example of that as well i'm with you yeah so I think it's it's time to say, to let go and say goodbye to the ghost of this movie. This movie. That's so sad. I know. I mean, again, highly recommend. Go it's watch lovely. it. It's really it's, wonderful. Yeah. Now streaming on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are we uh, ready to pick the next one? I think it's time to choose our next movie. All right. The roulette is up. The next movie that we will be now screaming is High Lane. High Lane. I think we're going to take a moment to look this up. We'll look it up. So what's High Lane? It is a movie from 2009. It's adventure horror. And it looks like it's a like a climb, like a, a hiking movie. Love a good hiking movie. <laughs> one of those one of those old like a group of friends. So like 127 hours. <laughs> Our favorite James Franco film. It looks like it's a bunch of friends going into the woods and stuff happens to them. As 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 you do when you go hiking in the woods like idiots. Shouts so, out to Blair Witch. Shouts out to Blair Witch. <laughs> I don't know. It looks. Uh, I'm not. I I don't. I'm, I don't even know anything. I'm not even. You know what? It's it's. Yeah. If I've learned one thing, it's it's useless to pass. We judgment. can't predict anything. Rites of Spring looks so good, and it uh, was such a nightmare. And Odd Thomas did not inspire us. No. And, and now I feel in, utterly inspired. So what, what the fuck do we know? <laughs> we know nothing. That's why we have to watch these movies first. So tune in next week for our discussion of High Lane. Thanks for listening. Don't forget that you can find all of our episodes and any announcements that we post on nowscreaming.com. And you can let us know what you thought about Odd uh, Thomas or any of the other movies at on Twitter at nowscreamingpod or Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps other people find us. It helps other people learn about Odd Thomas, which is... Definitely Super should important. be your goal. Yeah. 
Thanks to Jonas Leica for our theme music. And thank you to Anna Campbell. Yeah. New member of the Now Screaming team uh, for creating our new logo. Yeah, our great new logo, which we're, I we're love. really obsessed with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Check it out on our website or our social media. It's just awesome. We love it. And we love Anna. Yes. And Jonas. And, uh... And we love Wes Craven. Thanks to Wes Craven Thanks to Wes for Craven. making horror fun again. Make horror <laughs> fun again. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.